Welcome again to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. You guys are used to hearing my wife's lovely voice kick us off every episode, but we're in a transition period right now. We are in the process of moving from a one-man show as a, as a counselor myself here at the church to a full-blown professional counseling practice. And uh, we're going to get right to the episode quickly this morning. I just want to let you know that if our content has been of any help to you, you can also become a part of our launch. Just go to our present website, www.tworivers.church uh, slash the center. That's tworivers.church slash the center. And you can click, click support our launch. And you can help us with prayer support as well as any financial giving. Um, all that contact information is going to be changing in the next few weeks and months. And so we're not going to give out, we're, we're going to stop giving out our, our contact information other than that one website because we will be updating that soon. And you'll be hearing about that. But we wanted to give you all a chance to become a part of this launch, uh, especially again, is if it's been of any help to you. And to those of you that aren't listening in the States, uh, your likes and shares are as important as those that, uh, that are because uh, moving forward, we will be able to offer telehealth counseling to, to anyone. All they have to have is obviously a, a digital device, electronic device and uh, uh, internet connection and so your likes and shares wherever you are can get that information out to people and connect help us connect around the globe with people that either would like to hear our content or would actually like to to you know make use of some of the the services that we have here as well so thank you for listening we are only about 300 plays away from 5,000 mark which is incredible that's about 77 plays on average per episode which um really is is really incredible because we don't advertise our 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 goal is not to get a number a certain number or a lot of plays Our, our goal is to just provide to the people that need it real information real help for real people and so the fact that it's gone uh, worldwide and has been listened to so many times in the last couple years is just an encouragement to us because we know that the people that are listening are finding benefit from that and are, are continuing to listen so thank you again yes share and like and uh, hold on for our episode today there are a tiny number of people in the world known to have congenital insensitivity to pain or CIP, congenital insensitivity to pain. About one in a million people get this rare disorder that makes a person unable to feel pain. Uh, They also are insensitive to heat and cold, so of course they cannot feel the sun's burn, the cold's bite. This leaves them susceptible to sunburn and and frostbite. CIP results in severe self-inflicted injuries and sometimes even death. This is because the built-in warning sign that pain usually provides, it don't work. They can't even, they can even cut themselves and burn themselves or otherwise harm themselves in any number of ways. I read a story about a little girl who literally scratched her eye so bad that it had to be removed. She literally scratched her eyes out, her eye out. And, and, and she chewed her tongue like it was gum and had to have her teeth pulled. She had no sensitivity to pain, so she had no idea what she was doing to herself. A mom of a, of a similar little girl who had CIP said this, Some people would say that's a good thing, but no, it's not. Pain's there for a reason. It lets your body know something's wrong, and it needs to be fixed. I'd give anything for her to feel pain.
we're going to talk about um, three kinds of pain. They are indicators on the dashboard of life, if you, if you will. Dials or gauges on the dashboard of the human soul that lets us know consciously what is happening to us in the invisible realm. And I, I want to reread to you that mom's profound statement about her daughter's condition. Some people would say that's a good thing, but no, it's not. Pain's there for a reason. It lets your body know something's wrong and it needs to be fixed. I give anything for her to feel pain again. You know, let that sink. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, most people do everything they can to avoid pain or to escape it once they're in the middle of pain. But there's a surprisingly important lesson here. We learn from this mother's wish for her little girl that physical pain is not necessarily our enemy. Without pain, we would harm ourselves beyond repair, and we could even die. Physical pain warns us of danger, so we do not do even greater physical danger to ourselves. This means that we need some physical pain in order to remain physically healthy. Now, what happens when we treat only the physical painful physical symptoms, let's say a headache, a fever, the upset stomach, or more severe signals, but avoid or ignore, deny the underlying sickness or disease. Well, turning away from painful physical warnings so that we do not have to deal with them or numbing them uh, allows the disease to advance unchecked. Continuing to treat the symptoms uh, till we cannot bear them anymore may ultimately lead to permanent impairment or even death. Now, if physical pain helps protect against uh, even greater physical wounding, what is the role of emotional pain? The first dial is the dial of physical pain, the indicator, the signal. The second one is emotional pain. A painful emotional response tells us that we are experiencing some sort of damage internally, not to our, our body, but to our heart, our soul. Emotional pain tells us that we need to stop and take time to, to feel, grieve, emote, and otherwise process the wound that the painful emotions have brought to light. The pain or the emotion is the indicator. The painful emotion is an indicator. Ignoring these annoying or uncomfortable but helpful feelings will cause greater emotional damage. Without a little emotional pain, we would experience greater internal damage. Without a little pain, we would know what was going on in the visible realm. And so the pain would continue to increase because we would do nothing to mitigate it. This means that we need some emotional pain to remain emotionally healthy. So some emotional pain, if we heed it, it protects us from greater emotional pain. When painful emotions sound off like fear, anger, you know, jealousy, sadness, they're doing their job. They alert us to potential deeper wounding. Our emotions do for our soul what physical pain does for our body. Incidentally, positive emotions are also critical to our lives and relationships. How would you know that you're in love without the appropriate emotional indicators to tell you so? In fact, there's probably some physical um, indicators that go along with it. Like when you're in their presence, you, you get sweaty, your, your palms get sweaty, and you know other things like that happen. It's hard enough sometimes to know what we feel about someone. Imagine trying to guess without any indication as to what your heart is feeling. 
What happens when we either avoid or silence the painful emotional symptoms and do not treat the underlying wound, the internal pain that it alerts us to? Well, just like with physical pain. Turning away from painful emotional warnings so we do not have to deal with them allows the internal wound to advance unchecked. Continuing to treat the symptoms till we cannot bear them anymore may ultimately lead to enduring impairment and even to numerous kinds of death other than physical. We have to keep medicating and increasing the strength of the medication or mix it with several other drugs of choice because the emotional moon grows when it is ignored. When it's ignored. Beware, unexpressed emotions don't just go away. When ignored, they will fester and putrefy over time. Addiction, for example, is medication of a symptom only, and it allows the real problem to live on and keep spreading. Addiction is an aspirin for emotional or mental pain, but not the needed surgery for the deeper wound that is the source of the pain. Addiction numbs the very soul like an aspirin numbs the body. The power of the medication has to increase because the wound has been left to fester and grow bigger, more demanding, harder to express, harder to keep out of sight and out of mind. Unexpressed emotions do not just go away over time if ignored and submerged. And like any addiction, the power of the addictive agent must increase commensurate to the toxic buried wound that has been left to stagnate and infect. In fact, you know you are doing increased damage to yourself when you discover that what once worked before to bring escape it's no longer powerful enough to bring the escape you used to get you have to go seeking for additional or more to get the same escape if physical pain helps protect against even greater physical wounding right if emotional pain helps protect us against even greater emotional wounding what about this third indicator this third dial it's in it's mental pain when it comes to the invisible aspect of our lives, in case we have been able to avoid the emotional indicator, the pain does not just give up. There is another signal that internal damage is being done in our heart, and it's mental anguish. Now, granted, these all three of these dials might be hitting the peg all at the same time. They don't necessarily work um, in a sing as a singular emotion or a singular feeling or a single thought. Um, I do not know about you, but there are certain memories that when they come to mind, create significant pain for me. Remembering things that were done or said to us or, or those things we did or said to another can be very painful. Uh, I, I long for things that I deeply needed and remembering that they never happened is painful. So remembering things that did happen is painful but sometimes remembering things that never happened, that you wished had happened, is equally painful. Thoughts and beliefs and assessments or conclusions we made in an attempt to make sense of life. Labels we were given and lies we believed. Memories, confusion, illogical grasping for understanding. Trying to make sense of the world around us. Trying to find a good, sensible, defensible reason for things. Something, anything that will make everything make sense. Make it be okay. They are the source of mental pain, which is not far removed from emotional pain. The, the human mind and memory can be so strong so complex and capable that we do not just remember painful moments, we relive them. Every sight and sound, color and smell is, is vivid in our imagination as if it, it was the day it happened. The video that plays out in our mind is three-dimensional, multi-sensational, activating every capacity we have to experience the world around us. 
when our memory is skewed or mistaken in our filtered rendition of what happened or why it happened, these vivid memories make it seem so real and true that our mind plays horrible tricks on us, making the mental pain very real, giving credence to false memories, making that making uh, them hard to, to combat, making it hard to even remember what is actually true. And all of that is damaging. And what happens when we submerge and silence the painful mental symptoms that tell us that we experience something and that we need to attend to it? When we draw back from and submerge memories that, that try to focus or force us to admit that the thought or memory needs, to, uh, needs our conscious attention, what happens? <laughs> Same thing that happens when we turn away from physical or emotional pain and silence the symptoms without, without acknowledging and addressing the real problem. What lies beneath remains and degrades our life. Continuing to treat the symptoms till we cannot bear them anymore may ultimately lead to lasting impairment or even some sort of, of death in our mind, if you will, an inability to think. We might actually lose cognitive skill and capacity. Think of a wounded comic like Robin Williams who used humor all his life to escape painful internal wounds. One day, he finally cannot bear it because there's no medication anymore that's strong enough to provide a moment's escape. The humor is not funny nor efficacious anymore, and nothing except death remains as an option. Obviously, this pain works in tandem with emotional pain, the, the mental and emotional, uh, maybe even two sides of the same memory. Thoughts and memories kick up emotional responses without... Um, Feelings, there's no way to determine if the mind is in negative and destructive territory or positive and constructive ter ter territory. Now, let's, uh, let's zero in here on the physical pain, okay? The emotional and, and mental aspects of, of these three gauges. You know, it's commonly believed that the dashboard first appeared on Earth attached to primitive vehicles. It was a, a piece of wood or leather uh, on this horse-drawn carriage that was fixed between the animals that were pulling the rig and those riding behind them. It, its function was to protect from the mud and debris that the horse's hooves might dash up at them. Later, as the carriage gave way to motorized vehicles that were initially little more than a horse-drawn carriage without the horses, it served to protect people from the mud thrown up by the tires or from the heat and the oil of the early engines that were in front of them. That was their lone function, other than providing maybe a handle while entering and exiting the carriage or vehicle. As, mechanation, as mechanization and, and complexity increased, so did the usefulness of the dashboard. The simple piece of protection that was directly in front of the riders eventually provided a convenient place to mount a, a growing number of, of gauges and controls. The two purposes of the dashboard was first physical protection and then information and control. But I lied. The dashboard did not first show up on various modes of transportation. Long, long before that, in the beginning of time, way back at the dawn of history, God invented the first dashboard. It did not evolve and take on more over time. It still functions exactly as it did then, exactly as God designed it to. God gave man and woman sort of invisible dashboard. This original dashboard of sorts had and has one purpose, to sound an alarm that warns us 
to act to protect ourselves from greater da- or greater damage will follow. God created physical, emotional, and mental pain to protect us, to inform us, and give us some control over various aspects of our being. A little pain protects us from greater pain. Pain informs us of the inner workings of our emotions. Pain wakes us to changes we need to to make and, 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 and responses we need to pay attention to in order to remain healthy. I'm known for telling people that for me, Anger was an idiot light on the dashboard of my life. And further, painful emotions and memories are idiot lights on the dashboard of our lives. If you ignore them, you prevent them from performing their proper and vital function. As with your vehicle, so goes you. You ignore the lights and gauges on your car's dashboard. To its ruin, just as ignoring the built-in pain indicators in your mind and heart will lead to personal and relational ruin. So just like in your vehicle, when, when a light goes off on the dash, it is telling you that something is happening under the hood that you would not possibly know. There's something going wrong. Maybe there's an oil leak, so the oil light comes on. How would you know? How would you know without that dial? How would you even know how fast you were going without a speedometer? How would you know that you're running out of gas without your gas gauge on your dash. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You would just end up running out of gas and you'd get stuck. And it's the same kind of idea that we're talking about here with pain. Pain performs a vital service to the human person. You cannot know what's going on, if you will, under the hood of your heart without these gauges. Now, every one of us has made the mistake of giving into the temptation to avoid pain in painful seasons of life. Uh, this is unfortunate because until we take the time to walk through that season, we carry it, its increasing weight with us. The more seasons we take a shortcut around, the heavier the weight. Here's how, how God explains it. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep or cry and a time to laugh. A time to mourn or grieve and a time to dance. He has made everything beautiful for or in its own time. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Curious, is it not? This tells us that all seasons are good, right, even beautiful, when that season is encountered as, um, as and when it should be, in its time, in its proper sequence. This suggests that when we play around with the the created order and try to postpone or worse, cancel an unwanted season, it will not be as beautiful when it inevitably and finally is forced to be dealt with. So so even a season of weeping and grieving, of mourning and loss is beautiful, right? All seasons are beautiful in the right timing, in his timing, in his sequence as a whole. Now, not all acts Not all words, not all individual moments, not all weeks or all months are beautiful. It doesn't say that. It said God makes every season beautiful as a whole, looked at from a longer perspective. God can bring beauty out of anything, anytime, any event. A chapter that begins with pain or begins well and then degrades into misery. If viewed as a whole, that includes the larger picture, a picture that has allowed God to come in in to be the sovereign Lord that he is. The whole of that season is beautiful. 
I think Joseph understood this. At the end of the book of Genesis, as one horrible season of his life had ended and a, and a new beautiful season had started, he says to those who had meant to harm him, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. <laughs> that season began with being ripped away from his home and homeland, thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery by them, suffering an unjust betrayal uh, by another that led to jail. Then he was forgotten there in jail by yet another person. That season was redeemed by God. And, and it rescued his family from starvation. The whole Jewish nation at that time. And the entire nation of, e of Egypt as well. <laughs> Viewed as a whole. What a beautiful season. The lives of many people were saved. That season in Joseph's life did not begin pretty. But God caused it to be beautiful in the end. The difficult season ended by kicking off a following season that brought salvation for many people. God did not cause the, the, the harm Joe suffered, but was not about to let it end in harm. When God puts his hands and his intentions into history, into a given season, into your life, it cannot help but become beautiful. God even takes the very harm and uses it to recreate the beautiful finish. I think Nehemiah understood this. Just before we get there, though, uh, let me read you a couple of verses uh, from Nehemiah that kind of set the stage for uh, the story that we will, we will get to then um, in, in Nehemiah's, in, in, in the book of Nehemiah. I love the way that the message, that's a, a version of the Bible, renders these two verses from Isaiah. Isaiah 50, in Isaiah 58, 12, it says, God will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. And in 64, 4 of Isaiah, whole passage is great there, but I'm just going to pull a few words out of that. Uh, there it says, they'll rebuild the old ruins and they'll raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities. They will take the rubble left behind and make it new. <laughs> they didn't just discard the rubble. God takes the actual crumbled bits and dust and debris from our past. And with that very substance, builds a beautiful future. This is precisely what God did when he sent Nehemiah to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem that protected the people from danger that lurked nearby. The wall had been torn down and the city burned. Nehemiah felt called by God to rebuild it so his people would be safe and protected. A few naysayers who had profited by taking advantage of the situation mocked them. Uh, chapter 3 of Nehemiah lays out how the wall rebuild progressed and in chapter 4 two detractors mocked and defamed and discouraged them with this insult. What does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Now listen to this. Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap? And charred ones at that. <laughs> that stone wall would collapse even a fox walked along the top of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wrong. Here's how Nehemiah described this beautiful, phenomenal achievement when the wall was finished. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. When we let God do the rebuilding, those who, who mocked and humiliated you in the beginning will choke on their own medicine. When the rebuild is finished, it will be evident that God is the one who has made your life beautiful again, using the very rubble of your fast, past to make a glorious future for you. <laughs> Don't dream about uh, a childhood that was better or easier or kinder. Don't you dare wish you could jump in a British phone booth or AMC DeLorean and go back and change your history. All that rubble is the very stuff that God will both make your future with, but will also use to define your future. You want to catch a, a glimpse of, of what God might be planning for your future? Look over your shoulder. Remember what he has rescued you from. Because somewhere behind you is the makings of the future mission that he has prepared for you. I'd like us to notice real quick the sequence in Ezekiel chapter, in Ecclesiastes, I mean, uh, 3, 4. You notice there, crying becomes before laughter, and the grieving comes before the dancing. Guys, you have to go back. You have to live the season of life that you skipped over. Until you deal with the loss uh, of life, you will not be doing much dancing and celebrating um, like, like, like you will when God brings you into the future he has prepared for you. Okay, there's an order. You have to face the pain and cry through it before the laughter can come. And the grieving, the grieving is actually what makes the dancing possible. You have to go back. You have to live the season of life you skipped over. Now, um, let's, let's, have some, let's consider some introductory thoughts about coping mechanisms, and we'll wrap this episode up until next time. I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but some people react to the, uh, the dash light on their car by ignoring them. Uh, maybe the less critical ones only, like the air pressure indicator. But often by time the light comes on, especially a more critical light, irreparable damage has actually already been done. Unless it's just a loose gas cap, uh, when a critical warning light, like the check engine light, comes on, you will very soon be forced to the side of the road. Not dealing with it is not an option. Avoidance is permission for disaster to follow. You ignore the check engine light, it will end up leaving you on the side of the road. Um, now, with most of these, especially the critical dash lights on our car, let's say, there were probably other early warning signs that we missed, that we did not know um, should be heated or, or, or that we just put off heating. Uh, they were less obvious, easier to explain away. We were not trained to, to pick up on them, maybe, or we were preoccupied. Unusual engine noises, loss of power, sputtering, difficulty starting the car. They may have all been present. We were just either ill-informed, afraid of what it would cost, or not present or awake ourselves to what was happening. 
Maybe we were distracted and, and consumed by other things. Maybe no one told us what those things meant when our car tried to, to get our attention. No one told us that it was important to take notice. Or maybe we were taught by example that ignoring them was okay. We were either not awake or alert or worse. We were aware of a problem, but we just put off dealing with the warning signs. These dash lights or indicators are equivalent to symptoms. When the light comes on, or we develop physical symptoms, the light is doing its job. The physical symptoms are doing their job. The light is not the problem. The light is the warning that there is a problem, an unseen deeper issue that needs our attention. The symptoms are not the problem. The symptoms are a warning that there is a problem, an unseen deeper issue that needs our attention. The way these indicators or symptoms work, you, you fix the issue they are alerting you to, and the light will go out on its own. You, you don't really ever put out a warning light. We never really stop the physical symptoms, really. We, we treat the way we, we are aware of them, but the symptoms are still there. They're just numbed. We treat the underlying disease, and the symptoms gradually disappear. You put oil in the car, and guess what? The oil light goes out. You put air in your tires, and guess what? The, 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 the low tire gauge warning goes out. But as with our cars, and too often with our bodily pain, we are tempted to take what seems the easier path of avoidance. I have known people to die prematurely because they put off getting medical attention long after they knew they needed it. To keep from having to do the, the hard and costly work maybe of getting to the real problem, we deploy avoidance maneuvers that I call coping mechanisms. These three dashboard indicators are three kinds of pain. There's physical pain, which provides a critical indicator for our body. There is emotional pain, which provides a critical indicator for our heart, our soul. And, and there's mental pain, which provides a critical indicator for our conscious mind and our conscience. God holds the patent on this dashboard, and he put those indicators right in the middle of it. If ignored or numbed over time, the pain, and the way we cope with it, become disconnected from the original cause or wound. It takes on a life of its own. Now let's 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 uh, move on and talk about those coping mechanisms. There are three primary coping mechanisms that I have seen for numbing or ignoring or getting away or escaping or avoiding the pain. They keep us from from hide. They keep us hiding from emotional and mental pain, hiding from our true selves and our real story, hiding from our thoughts, conclusions, beliefs, memories, and whatever contributes to the narrative about ourselves and our self-worth. Again, I call them coping mechanisms. There are three of them. Um, in fact, I call them the three M's of avoidance. The three M's of avoidance. First, there is the, the there's medicated pain. Both feelings and thoughts can be avoided through numbing. It's when we ignore and or silence what we did not or could not process or endure by using numbing or diversion uh, personal or observed trauma that became personal, maybe. Uh, a method, it's a method of keeping ourselves at a distance from painful words, events, and, or absence, or rejection, or abandonment, or, or truth, or lies, or memory. Uh, the product of sin against us, or by us, or both. Okay, so there's medicated pain. Medications help us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by anesthetizing the pain. So we hide by numbing. 
So medicated pain. There's also um, the, the idea of, of, of a masked self. Masked self. Masks are also uh, a reaction to our feelings and thoughts. They are a sign of, of, they're a sign of fear, not heroic courage, like uh, like on a, on a hero, right? Masks develop when we begin to fear the worst about our identity, the fear of being fully known, the the painful fear that if people only knew us, they would reject us. So we, so we hate and hide our true identity and fabricate a new, supposedly better one, one we think others want, one they will not reject, which is a deceptive false self is what we end up with. We present a persona, an identity or personality that's a false version. It's just a, a facade. It's a false face of ourself to, to, uh, uh, to ourselves and others to avoid showing the real us that we fear will be abused, rejected, rejected, abandoned, berated, or otherwise badly treated. The product of sin against us or by us or both. Mask is a self-protective hypocrisy, pretending we are someone we are not. A lie, an untruth, a denial of our creator's handiwork. Masks help us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by living a false identity that has no pain. So we hide by faking. We can hide by numbing. We can hide by faking. The third M is mental evasion. When our thoughts or memories are painful, we avoid them by deflection or by a mental juke. We may numb or mask them or pretend they are not there at all or that they didn't hurt us. The mental juke is a deceptively, uh, to deceptively interpret things. Uh, we use the mental juke to deceptively interpret things in a way that we think should not create pain, making something that was not uh, sound logical, make it sound normal. Uh, maybe just maybe boring or routine or banal. There was nothing there, really. We dodge thought and memories by acknowledging them only on a surface level, refusing to investigate deeply, brushing off what will not and cannot be just, just brushed off. So mental evasion helps us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by sidestepping the pain. So we hide by escaping. The three M's of avoidance, the three coping mechanisms... Medicated pain. Medicated medications help us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by anesthetizing the pain. So we hide by numbing. There is the masked self, number two. Masks help us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by living a false identity that has no pain. We hide by faking. And then mental evasion. Mental evasion helps us avoid painful feelings and thoughts by sidestepping the pain. We hide by escaping. We hide by numbing, faking, and escaping. The three ends of avoidance usually work in tandem, if not tridem, to handle life's relational pain and the psychology of it all, not by working through it, but by avoidance. By not dealing with it, by effectively silencing the indicators and symptoms that are blaring at us that others see but we do not, telling us that something has gone very wrong in our hearts. So we medicate and thereby submerge our pain without addressing the real wound. We hide from our pain by pretending it does not exist, by acting like we are someone who has no pain or wound, by deceitfully allowing or leading others to believe that we truly are the person we let them see, like the real us is the external us. Either way, we're numbing 
We use numbing medication to bury and ignore the pain or defensive pretending to hide the us that others continually reject and abandon. We endeavor to present a better us that others hopefully will accept and stay with. We refuse to process, to think deeply, to feel deeply, to question our assumptions, to discover the lies we believe and, and sidestep the real hard issues. We effectively skip a season of life. That season must be lived. We treat symptoms only and pretend we are fine or are someone we are not. And, and we have done these things so long that we lose sight of the original offense and even of who the real us is. We, we do everything we can to avoid popping the hood and we certainly do not allow anyone else to look underneath there to see the mess we are hiding from ourselves and everyone else. So on the next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we'll pick back up the three M's of avoidance and look at 10 problems that avoidance creates. And again, Two Rivers Counseling Center can provide Christian counseling for your life. If you would like to talk to someone about uh, questions or struggles this article surfaced for you, just go to the Two Rivers website and click Get Counseling. The Two Rivers website, website is www.tworivers.church slash the center click the get counseling link we can always make a virtual appointment through a secure telehealth portal so we can connect face to face all right that's it for today's episode once again remember if you would like to have uh some part any part in helping us launch the two rivers counseling center uh whether whether by prayer support or some sort of financial support you can go to two rivers.church slash the center and click support our launch. And if, if prayer is the thing you, you want to, to share with us, we would be grateful for that. And again, at that link, you can sign up for our, our e-newsletter so that you can pray a little more specifically and get the updates on how the center is developing. Again, thank you for listening to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We'll catch you on the next episode.